Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Truth Hurts. Today, we're going to be talking about James Jordan, Michael Jordan's father, who was tragically killed in 1993 after uh, Mike won his third championship and was contemplating retire- retirement. Uh, this was highlighted again with The Last Dance, which is a, a wonderful documentary uh, which highlights the run of the Bulls and shows a lot of different elements. Uh, Jerry uh, Krause and his whole, you know, insecurity and jealousy of Mike and just Mike, you know, being a little over the top to get his results and everything else. So it's an interesting documentary. I suggest you go check it out. But something that I think uh, is going to come up in the next year or so when people connect some dots uh, to what happened with James Jordan. So just a recap of what the public already knows. And what I found out doing a little research first is that James Jordan was killed and uh, they don't know exactly how he was killed. But as the official report goes, he allegedly just pulled over in his car. He was driving and he pulled over in his car to take a nap and he was awoken by two guys. Uh, the guy Demeroy and the other guy was Green. Those are their last names. Uh, Larry, I think, was the first name. And then Dante or something like that. The other guy's first name. But uh, Green was the black guy. Demery was like the white and Native American guy, but he looked white. Um, allegedly, they saw James Jordan in the car and tried to rob him, shot him, uh, ended up taking his body and dumping it in a river somewhere or near a ditch that fell in the river or whatever. And he was found a few weeks later. So that was the official story. And speculation right after that, obviously, because of what was happening at the time. And if you don't know, uh, Michael Jordan was under a lot of pressure because of his gambling. And uh, some people know all of the events, uh, but most people know that he was, you know, gambling a lot. People, uh, it was always known he was a competitive gambler, like to just take bets. But there's a couple of incidents, one with the guy who was arrested uh, a guy he had some golf bets with, and they, and they found a check that was addressed to him from Michael Jordan. And then there was basically a couple of other shady characters um, who claimed that Michael Jordan had some debt. So basically, people thought that this was connected to the debt because some of these characters were involved with some shady characters, drug dealers, mob type figures. So now the first point I want to make for anybody out there who likes to gamble is, um, you know, first, be careful. Uh, second, make sure that you know, you don't have a problem. Uh, if you have $100 to your name, you probably wouldn't want to ever gamble with more than 2% of your money. Uh, so even though you had $100, you probably only have 200, excuse me, $2. That's how you have to look at it. So if you had a million dollars, right, you don't have a million dollars. You have like $10,000, $20,000. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing is if you're gambling and you're not going to be gambling at reputable institutions or organized institutions, and you do personal betting, you need to vet your people that you gamble with because the nature of that world is going to lead to these type of characters. It's just the nature of it. It's an underworld type of thing. Anybody, whether you are mob, Italian mob and stuff like that, or you're black, you know, have gambling spots and rolling dice. All these things usually involve more street people, people that are, you know, into other things and there's usually violence uh, that accompanies it at some point. So that's a little backdrop. But obviously, people didn't really believe that story. Uh, one reason was the the kids were 18 years old at the time. 
And, you know, you can never fully say what anybody's going to do, but there is patterns. Uh, there are patterns and things. And I think most people would think that two 18-year-old kids, one guy had a drug, the white guy had a drug problem. Uh, you would guess that, you know, they would try to rob somebody. Even if they shot the guy there, they probably would have just left. You know, they probably would have just ran off. You know, I don't I, I don't see 18 year olds with a drug problem, nervous during doing a robbery, even even having to shoot Mike uh, James Jordan. Uh, first thing you say, like, why would he resist if even if they wanted something, you know, he had, you know, money. His son is Michael Jordan, like probably wouldn't want to fight too much. Now, he was a fighter. Probably Mike's a fighter. You see, he's probably a fighter. But, you know, if he was robbed. And he fought back and they shot him. Why wouldn't they just leave him right there and just get the hell out of there? But to get in the car, go dump the body. I think that's one of the things that made people kind of say, hey, this might be something a little bit more. So speculation ensues. But out of respect for Michael, you know, people didn't take it too far. But it was just one of those things that people thought. So over the years, certain things came out. And about four years ago. A guy did a, a little small documentary and he just highlighted a few things. And one of the things was the black guy uh, didn't agree with what happened. So in terms of the case, this is important too, at the trial, basically the white guy started cooperating with the police and uh, claimed that the black guy shot him, right? But the black guy says he never was even there when he got shot. He said... Honestly, he did dispose of the body, but this is after his friend, uh, Delmaroy, whatever his name is, they were at a party. They went to a party at a, at, a, at a mutual friend's or slash mother's house, some local place where they all know they were there. This guy, Delmaroy, left at about 12 or 1 o'clock, went out, uh, you know, to, to do a drug deal or do some sort of play, whatever. And came back at about three or something like that and said, hey, you know, he was nervous. He had a scratch on his face. And he's like, I got into some stuff, you know, like basically a guy tried to try me when I was doing the deal and I shot him. So his friend, this guy uh, Green, goes with him. And this is what Green says. Goes with and he said this at trial too. goes with him um, and find, they, they, they see the body and they dispose of the body. And he said he did help him dispose of the body. Uh, and then they kept the car for a few days. And a few days later, uh, this guy, uh, you know, he, he saw the ring and all the stuff that Mike had in the middle of the car. And then the black guy actually took that shot, a rap video with it on. A bunch of stupidity, a bunch of madness. But basically, the point of that is that the, the black guy is alleging that the white guy was involved with it. So now, here's what was interesting about the documentary four years ago when I saw it. And it was a small little thing. I think it was on YouTube. It wasn't like a, a official project, but just a guy put together some facts. The first thing was that uh, the DNA lab, right, that provided the blood evidence, the splatter in the car, um, they never found real blood. Like when they did the, I, I forget what it's called, illumination, whatever the illumination uh, spray is to see if there's blood, they never found anything. And that's why people believe that something was planted there. But that agency was uh i think shut down and prosecuted for doing over like a hundred uh false results so you know how life is right these guys were probably the guys who are with the with the bullshit right you pay them something especially high profile people they produce some 
some some some false results for you. So they got caught in a big scam that uh, basically produced over a hundred and something. And, and one of those cases was Michael Jordan's case. So now the first thing is you have blood that helped fit that story of like him shooting these guys shooting Mike, uh, excuse me, Mike's father in inside of the car. And that agency was later found to be, uh, you know, caught lying and falsifying results. And Michael Jordan's case was one of them. So first thing you ask is who contacted these people and why would they falsify it if somebody didn't pay them? Right. You don't fall. You're not if you're a company and you're doing this type of shady activity. Why do people do shady activity just to be shady? <laughs> no, people usually do shady activity to make money, to make extra money. Right. So you have to figure whether it was the police or somebody else. Somebody paid these guys to produce those fake results. That's the first thing that was interesting. And this is before this came out. At that and and at the time, this was uh, Green, who's still in jail, the black guy. This was his uh, lawyer going and and finding out, you know, trying to put two and two together to to get this thing solved, and you know, try to get this guy appealed to this day. The second thing was we know about the the fifty seven thousand dollar check that was actually mentioned in the last dance to this black golfer. We know about the Italian guy. Uh, the other guy that was into some shady stuff, and he said Mike had ran up a tab of about a million dollars that he ended up only getting $300,000 back. So the rumors, right, and almost pretty confirmed, I don't know if Mike had money problems. I doubt that. But they said he would sometimes take a long time in paying people back. And as a gambler, I guess, you know, maybe that's a routine thing. But I would also guess maybe because he's Michael Jordan, he has a feeling of not say superiority, but like, you know, you know, you're going to get the money. I'm good for it. I'm Michael Jordan. Where the hell am I running? Right. But this guy, this white guy, this Italian guy, whatever, he uh, ended up, you know, uh, confirming that basically he just settled for three hundred thousand because he feared he wasn't going to get any money. And the third thing that wasn't in the last day until a lot of people didn't know is there was another guy that was found murdered. He was a mob, uh, like, you know, he was a drug mule or something like that. And he was found murdered and he had two or three checks on him in his suitcase when he was found murdered. And one of them was from Michael Jordan. This, that is a, that is a hair, uh, uh, eyebrow razor right there. Uh, one of those checks was from Michael Jordan. So while this doesn't, confirm anything it's obviously it 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 confirms one thing actually it confirms that mike was involved with numerous shady characters and he was paying some of these people back and some of these people were involved in drug running gambling uh and stuff like that and if you recap that that's blood the blood agency uh the forensic agency corrupt the three or four and it's a few more cases but these are the most high profile things that were discovered and these are all facts the next thing that was suspicious and this was in that documentary as well was that the phone that was in michael jordan's father's car cell phone at the time where it was big you know that was like the time where you know i was like some of the first cell phones started in i think the late 80s those big ones you have in the car and a lot 36 calls were made in those three, four days that these gentlemen 
uh, I don't even want to call them gentlemen, <laughs> uh, those two uh, criminals, whatever, had the car. Numerous calls came, went to like the black guy's family and just people like that, really nobody of consequence. But the first call made on that phone, and you have to assume, because uh, the black guy saying that the white guy actually did it by himself, or, or he don't know if he did it, but he was the one out there by himself. But the first call was made to the captain's son. So now the police chief or police sheriff, one of the, is either the sheriff or captain, his son. Now, just so you have some backdrop, the white guy who called the police sheriff's son, which is suspicious. Why are you calling the police sheriff's son? But let's get some backdrop. He worked with the police sheriff's son. And this is in, I think, Lumberwood, some lumber something, North Carolina. He worked with him at this plant. So they worked at a plant together and they were also involved in drug running. That same son later on, years later, I think 2010, was convicted of drug running. So that's very that's very odd. The same guy that was called the sheriff of the county's son, right? The same guy that was called had a relationship with the white guy, uh, Delmarie, Delmaroy, whatever his name is. They worked at a plant together, and according to Green, right, which is the other guy, they were both involved in drug running. So this comes from Green's mouth in an interview he did last week with Detective Vlad. <laughs> Not really a detective, but Vlad TV does these interviews. Um, a lot of people are going to find this distasteful, but unless you know the backstory and you put a few things together, and if, you know, especially like knowing about that other documentary and things that have come out, you know, you may be a little bit disgusted because Green clearly is hiding something too in his um, admission. Now, it seems pretty truthful. I've listened to it. It seems pretty truthful, but he's still trying to get appeal. So it seems like there's a few things he's messing around with. But in terms of synchronicity of his, of the events, the events, according to him, went like this. Basically, he had a pass, this guy had a pass, but he was locked up for two years for some robbery. Something happened, he got into a big fight with a guy with an axe or some shit. So he's locked up two years, he comes home, this is the black guy Green, hooks back up with his childhood friend, they're doing whatever they're doing, they're at this party. Um, first thing they did was uh, they, got a, they got a job like catching chickens. I guess that's a big thing down there, you go, you catch chickens. Uh, the guy Green said he didn't like it, he felt like he was catching slaves. <laughs> It seemed brutal. He ended up leaving early, and then the guy didn't want to pay them. The fact that the guy didn't want to pay them, him and the guy Delmaroy goes down there to try to get the money from this guy, but they brought a gun just in case something went wrong. The guys were supposed to meet them, to pay them. The guys didn't show. And then, uh, you know, Green is saying that it was Delmaroy's idea, but who knows? From there, they basically robbed some other person. They robbed a, a lady or something. So they ended up robbing somebody else just because the people that were supposed to pay them for the chicken catching never came. So they ended up doing that crime together, but that was pretty much at least what they got caught for, the only crime that they had together. And according to Green, uh, Delmaroy, who is proven he had a connection with the sheriff's son, worked at this plant next with, with the sheriff's son and get and ended up getting involved in drug running. And that drug running, what they would do is they would have a car in between, you know, like if you see... Uh, like the big eight, not even 18 wheelers. Like sometimes they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, sometimes like the 18 wheelers or like the big caps of the the trucks, and they, and and it says wide load on it, don't drive near. And I mean, let's be real, you don't drive near it, right? And what they would do is they would have two of those, and 
the mules, right, would be in between or something like that. They would kind of use that as a cover to run the drugs. So this guy, Delmaroy, was involved with that, right? But according to Green, once again, Delmaroy got into, he started using. So he got into debt and got into some trouble with these people. So he had to make some runs. One of those uh, runs was allegedly what he went to do that night with James Jordan. So now it's starting to make a little sense. The guys at this party, both of these guys, Green and Delmaroy, and that night he gets a call, Delmaroy, and he goes out to do this thing. Now, I don't want to speculate, but my sense tells me from everything that's around and the fact that he calls this guy first, the sheriff's son, and you're in debt to drug smugglers who are involved with the police. And people from that town have also confirmed that it's a very corrupt place. The cops are involved. And, you know, those small towns, that's how they are. They're just really corrupt. The cops are involved with a lot of crap. And, um, you know, so that's not a that's not new anyway. And like I said, this uh, son of the sheriff was ultimately convicted of this. So we know that he was running drugs and we know that this guy called him. So we know that there's some truth to that. So this white guy, um, in my opinion, whatever happened to James Jordan, right? If he didn't shoot him, either, either Delmaroy was sent to shoot him or he was sent to just move the body. But the fact that he went out, came back, and then came back to get his friend to move the body, right, makes me think that he met James Jordan for some reason. And according to Green, he doesn't feel that this was connected to Mike's gambling, but it could be something with James Jordan. And while we don't want to speculate, the man's already deceased, this is, I'm telling you, this is going to be a topic and it's going to kind of rise up. Uh, because of this documentary, I think it's going to cause people to do what I did, the researchers, and, and people are going to see this interview with Vlad pretty soon. Mike went, the the, what the, the thing, let's go back to 93 uh, when he wins the championship. This is a few weeks before all this happens. One of the main things that brought this to, to the forefront was that one game he played against the Knicks, he had a bad game, and then it was uh, discovered that the night before, him and his father went to the casinos, and they were there late into the morning, 2.30, something like that. It's two hours to get back to New York, so it's Mike getting back at 4 in the morning. You know, he's still Michael Jordan, but he didn't get a lot of sleep, obviously. And that's where people started to say, hey, does this guy have a... That's what really made people say, is this a problem? Like, this is Michael Jordan in the playoffs versus the Knicks going for the third championship, and he's doing that. Now, Mike has always always contended. He never denied gambling. He never denied that he's a competitor. He said he likes to gamble. He always said that it's not legal. He He's very honest, uh, at least mostly honest, at least, you know, that we can tell about the fact that he's gambled, gambled with some people, some strange people and everything. And he didn't deny that he went up there with his father. But the point is, if he was gambling with his father, you have to figure that he got that edge from his father, and his father liked to gamble as well. So... It's not far-fetched to think that James Jordan not only probably gambled with his son, but he probably had his own gambling that he did because, you know, his son had money. He probably had money. So this is in near his town in North Carolina. So it's not far-fetched since these cops were involved in gambling, prostitution, and drug running. <laughs> it's not far-fetched that in some way or how, right, James Jordan might have had a relationship with these mob-like, cop-like figures that were all involved because allegedly there was the mob, some mob people, some gang people 
involved with the cops. Like, they're all kind of crooked, and they look out for them. They would help them move drugs, and it was a whole kind of little operation going on that the white guy, Delmaroy, got involved with because he's a white, you know, a green wouldn't have probably been recruited for that. He was black, very racist uh, town, racist part, too. Uh, you know, Debo, <laughs> America, but, you know, at this time, too, they said a lot of racism. So it's not far-fetched to, to think that maybe James Jordan has some sort of dealing. I don't know if it's drugs, if it's gambling, whatever. He could have had dealings with them, but it's more logical that this guy went out to do something with James Jordan, whether that give him drugs, collect a gambling debt, whatever, whatever happened. But he ended up coming back with a scratch on his face, a struggle ensued. And you have to figure that. Like, James Jordan is probably not a coward and would have fought back. He met him, or something else happened, and he was already dead, and those the cop's son, this guy, the sheriff's son, told Delmaroy, you got to do us this favor. Mind you, he had drug debt because he started using drugs. So they used that against him. So that's why that's why I think they framed him. You know, it's, it's very possible that the cops or whatever, these people were probably the ones that did this. They probably framed uh, Delmaroy and Green because in the subsequent weeks, they probably contacted that firm, got the blood splatter thing and made up this whole robbery story, which never really kind of sat well with anybody because it just doesn't sound logical. These are 18 year old, very unsophisticated, stupid kids who, if they just wanted money and drugs, they're going to kill James Jordan's father, not know who he is, right? Never figure it out. Take the body, dispose of the body, keep the car. It just seemed extra. It didn't seem logical. And this story, when you piece it together, as and it's not even my opinion, this is actual facts. The only thing I'm speculating, or just suggesting rather, is that, because you have to say, what's the motive? I mean, if it's not connected to Mike, right, then it has to be connected to James Jordan. And maybe that's something he got involved with, some gambling stuff he got involved with. One lady at the trial, too, this is another key piece of information I got from reading papers at the time. One lady, Annie Lee Hutchinson, and I couldn't find any information on her recently. She worked at Michael, excuse me, James Jordan's T-shirt factory and claimed at trial. And they didn't obviously uh, listen to her, but she claimed that in the uh, last few weeks, last few months, James Jordan was nervous and he was worried about not making payroll. So there were some money issues allegedly there. Uh, the prosecution tried to say there's just a smear campaign that that Green's lawyer was doing and that, you know, it's bull, it's bull crap. But this is a lady that worked at the place and, you know, she did notice that he was very nervous about paying, get, making payroll. So you got gambling stuff. He's not making, he just finished gambling with his son. He's involved with some shady characters. His son is. So you got to figure if they gamble together, they might have met all similar type of people. Right. His business, not say it's failing, but there's some money issues. Right. And then he ends up with some sort of issue with this sheriff's son and that whole mob like thing that they have going on with prostitution, drugs and gambling as one of the things. Is it possible that the, that one of these people were were, were some gambling debt, or was this some drug stuff, right? Maybe it was just a little weed or coke type of thing, right? Where, you know, but the fact that he was killed, and it seems like 
the sheriff's son and these people were involved with it, or at least Delmaroy was involved with it through them, through some way. Either he went and did something wrong or whatever. But you have to figure the cops were involved because of the agency that was contracted. The only people that could have contracted this agency to help out with this false evidence are the police or Jordan. I mean, that's the, you know, Jordan's family, somebody in that circle or, um, and that's the only people that have an incentive, you know, Jordan, obviously to cover everything up and keep his name and, and protect his father's name. And then the police, because of they're involved. So this is very deep. So you have the lady saying this, James Jordan is gone for three weeks, whatever, and that it took him three weeks to find the body. So now, Green, to, to, to wrap it up, Green alleges that that night, Delmaroy goes out, comes back, and when they go back, he said James' body was already in a ditch somewhere. The car was near there, but the, the body was already, like, wrapped behind some bushes or something, and they went. Now, mind you, when he got there, he probably should have left, right? But he, he whatever he, he admits to, putting the body in the in the car, driving, and then they dump the body. So he admits to that part. He's always kind of admitted to that part. And his story is the same to this day. I do think he's lying about a few things just to get free, right? But that's pretty much his story. And he says, at that night, this guy, when I first came back with a scar, and the transcripts are all available. If you read the transcripts, it's also confirmed that many people said that's what happened. So if you do the timeline... This guy wasn't even there when James Jordan allegedly was killed. So now, my only question is, was James Jordan killed before and and they were using Delmaroy as, you know, the scapegoat to just go dispose of the body? Like, yeah, I need you to get rid of this body and we're even kind of thing, right? And it makes sense. You owe us some money. Hey, just dump this body. Take care of this and we all good. Or was it something that they sent Delmaroy to do to kill him, right? And, you know, it wasn't an easy kill. And that's how he got the scratch. But he went and killed him somewhere else and then came and did whatever with the car. But what doesn't make sense is that he shot him in the car because there just wasn't evidence of that. It seemed like very contrived. They busted out the windows and different things later. But it, the whole thing looked staged, to be honest with you. It did look staged. It didn't look like that was how shit looks. And we've seen this things now. If you look at crime stuff and you look at crime scenes, you can see how things normally look. Now, mind you, anything can happen. But it didn't seem right. So Green is alleging that that's what happened. And then uh, they would, after that happened, uh, the guy calls the sheriff's son. The first call. Why would you call the sheriff? Why would you even be calling police? Now, I know you work with the guy, but you call this guy. Anyway, Delmore ends up working with the cops. He ends up getting 40 years in, in some sort of parole situation. And this guy gets life. The black guy, Green, gets life. So it seems like Green was definitely a scapegoat here. Green was definitely a scapegoat here, but he's no innocent person. He's had a violent history, hit somebody with an axe, just robbed a lady, and now you did see the body, and you didn't say, yo, you know, I, I you, you could have told your friend, because when something like that happens, you might have your loyalty principles, but there's three things you can do. One thing is you can help clean the body and say, hey, you my friend, I don't care what you did, I got your back, right? That's what he did. The second thing you could do is say, hey, yo, bro, you my man, I'm not gonna, I didn't even see this, I, I was, I'm not even here right now, but I'll never speak of this moment, right? I'm not going to say anything, but I'm not helping you dispose of a dead body. <laughs> and the third thing that you could have done is call the police. Like, not right there, kind of act scared, like, I can't do this, my stomach's messing, I'm sorry, bro, but I won't say anything, and then maybe go call the police, right? Now, I don't know what you should do 
for me, I probably would have done two or three. Um, I don't see myself calling the police, to be honest, because I'm a, I'm 18. I'm a black man. I probably would have been scared in the South and the whole racist place. That's probably I probably would have just cut that friend off and just never said anything. And that's probably not the right thing to do. The right thing to do is probably call the police. But just because me, I'm a black man, it's a white guy, the whole thing, I would have probably done number two. But this guy did number one. <laughs> he disposed of the body and admitted that. And they said they had the call for three days. This guy makes the call, then they just kind of going around and they were supposed to drop the car off with, with the drug people. They dropped it off there and the guys kept the car. And then they, after they kept the car, that's when they probably staged everything in the coming weeks. The white guy was working with the cops. They came to get the black guy a few weeks later. And then from there, the story, you know, for the most part, everything works out how it works out. At trial, Green and his lawyer, once they realized, they, they from the from the beginning, they said, that he didn't even go out there. He just helped dispose the body. It was this guy that, that killed him, or, or at least knows who killed him. All he did was come back with him and help dispose the body. And honestly, from everything and the way it adds up, it, I believe it. You have a couple other strange things I'm just going to throw out as we wrap up that I think people will mention, um, especially people who follow, uh, I don't want to even say conspiracies, but you know, follow... Uh, black magic and this underworld stuff that goes on in terms of sacrifices and rituals and um, the number 66, the number 33 um, and other numbers, 24 different things like that. So just a few things like people may have noticed that Pop Smoke was killed 24 days after Kobe died and stuff like that. People notice those type of things, you know, um, Nipsey Hussle was killed 87 days into the year. Uh, Nipsey Russell was killed with 87 days left in the year. All these things, I've verified all this myself, and these are things I actually thought of <laughs> and found out. And it's not hard to count days and do things like this, but when you do enough of these things, I'm telling you, you can, you might think you're crazy at first, but after you get to like the hundredth one, that of all these, and these are all like with people like Prince, all the deaths that don't seem right. There's usually these numbers involved, the same set of numbers and the same sequences. Six, 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 the main one, right? Six, six, right? With Nipsey Hussle, right? We had uh, we had the two fire trucks with the number 66 on it, right? There's always these num numeric sacrificial things, right? The Kobe death, very suspicious. He dies, right? Uh, the same day, COVID thing is on the front page of the USA Today, kind of harnessing this energy from Kobe. He's on this. Uh, helicopter number 76 while LeBron plays the 76ers, right? He goes and he kills, uh, excuse me, he gets killed that night. LeBron has a weird post-game interview, right? While LeBron is passing him while playing in his hometown on the same night. He's a lot of things that just like, eh, right? Uh, his daughter is 13 years old at the time. Uh, so, you know, I can go on and on and on with these type of things, but they're usually there and it's like, once you start to notice it, it's like, wow, is this part of it? So this is the uh, this is just the other random thing that I think people eventually will start to see. And this is based off sacrifice and energy. And I do believe in this. I, do, I believe in a lot of it because everybody in this world doesn't have a soul and doesn't 
have the ability to harness energy and this is why they're always so focused on you this is why i've been ranting about the COVID thing and how you can't acquiesce to this and you can't support this because you're literally giving them you're making us depressed they're depleting things and they're harnessing your energy this is what the grand is what these satanic people do they harness your energy for things some things are that or some things are just suspicious things right some things this could have been this to me just looked like some police mob crap in some way but whoever is involved knew it was James Jordan. So I don't think they killed him for no reason, you know, and I don't think they would try to rob James Jordan. I don't think that is the case. And I think James Jordan, he just seems like a smart guy that wouldn't put himself in a position to pull over in a fancy car with, with jewelry on, you know, that's just not like, that just doesn't make, he's not in contact with his family. It, that doesn't really add up. So it could be just that, but these are a few suspicious things that I did notice when I looked at it, and I just want to give you some backdrop on just where these things come from. A lot of times when people get into the in, in world, right, like who's the one black owner? Michael Jordan, right? He was able to uh, get a team. Everybody else is uh, pretty much white or Jewish, you know, and he got that three-peat, which put him on that pedestal. And Mike was becoming too big. They were starting to try to bring him down. Remember, they bring you up, Michael Jordan, excuse me, Michael Jackson, to bring you down, right? Every you get to the top, and then they start to attack. And some people play it real smart and avoid those attacks. But the, if the ones who really get in and stay, they usually have some sort of, seemingly some sort of sacrificial thing that happens near them, right? So just a few weird things to put in perspective, um, his father was killed, I think, 23 or 24 days after the championship, right? And Michael Jordan just happened to score 666 points in the playoffs in 1993. And I can't make this stuff up. I literally cannot make it up. You can go count the points yourself. These stats are readily available. So in his th three-peat championship, he scores and. Uh, 66 points and then his father is killed on the 23rd of july <laughs> just so happens right 23 days after he wins the championship 24 days actually i think after he wins the championship and mike is obviously devastated but um i can't say he showed it you know and, and everybody reacts to death differently but i can't say he showed it um but anyways those are just a few things you're probably going to hear. Uh, the 666, people are going to probably notice that he scored those points. It could be coincidence again, once again, right? Uh, and these connections. People might not make these connections that I'm giving you, and hopefully that's why you value the truth hurts. Because one thing I do is I go to numerous sources, and I all facts, but I connect things that, you know, I don't just watch one thing. One thing makes me look at another, which makes me look at another, which makes me look at another till I can kind of get an understanding of the highest probability uh, set of events. And uh, when you look at Michael Jordan not paying his debts, having these people and more than three people with problems, you have guys that were arrested with checks from him on them. You have guys that wrote a book talking about he didn't pay. You have guys <laughs> um, that ended up dead with checks from Michael Jordan on them. That's just, it's, it's you know, you don't know the depth of what he was oh, into. But, but, you know, you have to notice a pattern there, that there's a lot of gambling, there's gambling with shady characters, uh, he gambles with his father, 
His father is probably similar person, right? Maybe he had the same issue. And you have the father owning a business. He has an employee who goes and testifies at trial. What did they give her to testify? This is the defense. They didn't have any money. Guy had a shitty defense, so it's not like they could have paid this lady a lot of money. But she did say that, you know, the guy was worried about making payroll. He has money issues. You have this white guy who's involved with uh, the police chief uh, or, or sergeant or sheriff, one of the three, um, his son, I think it was the sheriff, it was involved with his son in drug running. The same guy was, a, he calls after from the car phone. That kind of proves that there's a connection there. That same guy is convicted for drug running years later. Mm. You have a, a, a company that, that does the forensics that is convicted for lying and falsifying blood. Why would they falsify blood? Who paid them to falsify the blood? Right. And one in Michael Jordan's case was one of those cases. And you have Green to this day with the interview he shot just last week saying that, you know, he stands by it. He didn't kill Michael Jordan's father. He said he did dispose of the body and stole some of his stuff once he once they had the car. But he, he maintains that he didn't do it. He doesn't even know if his friend did it, but he knows that his friend went out, came back with a scratch on his face and then he went to dispose the body. And that's kind of backed up by uh, travel records and timing records. So, guys, um, this is one of the deepest, uh, I would say, if not the biggest sports conspiracy, sports conspiracy uh, in recent times, you know, because of how it happened. And if you were alive and at least even 10 or 11 at that time, you remember, like, you know, we were starting to hear about Michael Jordan gambling, gambling, gambling. It was becoming a big thing. He retires, which made it even more suspicious after that. And his father's killed on the side of the road. Let's be real. People just don't get killed on the side of the road. Not say for nothing. It happens. But it just didn't add up. Nothing added up. And it's taken some years now. But like I said, that the guy, you got people in jail, mob figures, all of these things now, when you add it all together, it looks like either it's a sacrifice or some sort of drug or a gambling-based death. But either way, rest in peace, James Jordan. I don't think he did anything to deserve uh, that. These were some shady people. I think these two kids were used in some form or fashion. The real investigation, if people ever want to go further with this, is whoever that police department and whatever characters that they are involved with in terms of the mob or whoever they were involved with that was going on, that's probably where the answers lie. But, um, you know, either way, rest in peace, James Jordan. Michael Jordan still the greatest of all time. The truth hurts. everybody thanks for listening to the podcast uh we really appreciate it here i just want to set an email address for you guys in case you want to get in contact with any comments suggestions feedback positive or negative anything that's not gross or disrespectful is more than welcomed here at the podcast because we just want to push progress and think forward that email address is tthblkpodcast at gmail.com once again tthblkpodcast at gmail.com once again that's t-t-h-b-l-k podcast at gmail.com basically it's the truth hurts but lies kills uh podcast and it's just abbreviated so the whole title of the podcast is abbreviated uh put into six different letters followed by the word podcast as one long word right t-t-h-b-l-k podcast 
at gmail.com. Please get in contact. Don't hesitate. Anything you can think of, suggestions, other podcasts, anything that you feel is relevant, trust me, we will look at it. We will engage and uh, we will push the agenda forward. Thanks a lot, guys.